الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجل له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الواحد القهار العزيز الغفار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an abundant praise. We beseech him subhana to send his peace and blessings upon Sayyidina Rasulullah Rahmatullah Alameen Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his companions and family members and those who follow him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until the end of time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of a mercy and a rahmah and out of his fadl he sent guidance to humanity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدَىٰ فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَىٰيَ فَلَا يُضِلُّ وَلَا يَشْقَىٰ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Taha, that if there comes to you from me guidance, and Imam Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, he said guidance, as well as Imam al-Tabari quoting the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the early scholars said that guidance here means the books and messengers that Allah sent to humanity. Whoever follows this guidance will never go astray, nor will they anguish. In another place in Quran, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ The same verse, but the ending is that the people who follow this guidance will never be astray, nor will they grieve. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He established His proof against humanity by sending the best books. لِأَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَى اللَّهِ حُجَّةٌ بَعْدَ الرُّسُلِ As He mentions in the fourth chapter of the Quran, so that no one can have any claim against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alastu bi rabbikum qaru bala. As is mentioned in the seventh chapter of the Quran, Am I not your, am I not your Lord? Yes, you are our Lord. And he sent from those books, the best of all books, Al-Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in describing the Quran, it's very profound that usually the description of the Quran is in the indefinite form, what's called nakira. And this signifies the indefinite in Arabic, that it cannot be defined. It is not possible to, uh, uh, to, to capture the true essence of the Qur'an to the point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in describing it, He uses the indefinite article A in English. And we don't maybe get this feeling in English. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the Qur'an, He says, Rahmah. He didn't say, Ar-Rahmah. Rahmah means a mercy. But He used it here to show that the merciful nature of the Qur'an cannot be uh, captured and cannot be defined. Its mercy is shamila, kamila, wafiya. That its rahmah is not to be contained. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it shifa, 
in the Quran and also in the 10th chapter of the Quran shifa wa mau'idha that the Quran is a healing here he took subhanahu wa ta'ala the concept of healing and he did not define it he left it universal so that the muslims can gather from this that the application of the Quran and its ability to heal them is not only physical and but spiritual and physical combined and that's why the majority of the fuqaha they said that for someone who has an ailment that they can read the Quran not and he not go to the doctor, of course. They should take advantage of Obamacare. But at the same time, they should read the Qur'an as a means to heal them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left the ability of the Qur'an to heal them. Also with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest of all messengers, the Sayyid of all messengers, and the Sayyid of Al-Kawnayn sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, who said that I am the Sayyid of all of the children of Adam. I am the master of all of those who will be born from the sons of Adam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who is the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the most honorable to Allah azza wa jal. As uh, Shaykh al-Humayri, one of our teachers, he relates with a sound isnad back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who said about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, whoever met him will love him. Whoever met him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, immediately he will love him. And he said, if somebody had never seen him before, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this isnad is sahih, if someone had never seen him before, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they saw him for the first time, they will be in awe of him. Qadi Abu Bakr ibn Arabi al-Maliki rahimahullahu ta'ala, he said that they would be in love, of the, that they would be in awe from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because the Prophet was in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he describes the Prophet alayhi afdalu salatu wa salamu taslim, again, and I want you to note this, especially if you're just studying Arabic and you're trying to learn some Arabic, you can take something, masha'Allah, important in understanding certain verses of Quran and hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah describes him with the indefinite article. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bashiran wa nadira, that you are a warner and you are a giver of good news. Here, it's used the indefinite article to show that the Prophet's ability as a warner and his ability as a mubashir cannot be captured. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wa da'iyan ila Allahi bi'ithnihi wa sirajan munira. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You are a caller to Allah, the best caller to Allah, and a, a, a torch which spreads light. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes him alayhi afdalu salati wa salim in the same terms when he said, Subhana wa ma arsalnaka illa kafatan linnas bashira wa nadira walakinna akthar al-nas la ya'lamu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We sent you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it's very difficult to translate the meaning here. But it means that you in totality, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are sufficient for all people. Meaning the kulliyat, those universals that you brought to humanity in regards to religion are sufficient for any people, any place, and any time. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of this is mujman. All of this is mentioned in the way that is summarized in one verse. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the totality of Muhammad alayhi afdal salatu wa salam. And the Risala, Muhammadiyya, the message of the Prophet Everything that I mentioned is summarized in one verse. 
We did not send you, O Muhammad. And here, the word Rahmah is used in the indefinite form again. A Rahmah, a mercy. We did not send you except as a mercy to humanity. Why? Because the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ cannot be captured. And that's why Shawqi said, وَإِذَا رَحِمْتَ فَأَنْتَ أَبُونْ أَأُمُنْ هَذَانِ فِي الدُّنْيَا هُمَ رُوحَمَاءُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ, he comes with rahmah in his warnings to people about the hellfire, his promises of paradise, the rulings that he brought, the do's and the don'ts. All of these are found under the term rahmah. And that's why we have to be careful that sometimes when we talk about the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ, we paint him as a Joel Osteen type figure. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ is not only giving people hope, but also out of the mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him with, he's warning people of the hellfire. And that's why he said, in a sound hadith, he said, I'm like somebody standing in front of a fire, and you are like moss trying to jump into this fire, trying to fly into this fire. So the Prophet in his warnings and in his acts of benevolence and his love and his mercy and his promises is Rahmah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why he said in a sound hadith related by Imam al-Suyuti rahimahullah in his jam al-Sagheer, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I am a mercy and a guide. And he links Rahmatul Muhda'a, he links mercy and guidance because the guidance means warning people of the punishment of Allah and promising, promising people that they will insha'Allah obey Allah, that they will be successful. And all of this falls under the general definition of guidance. The Prophet he was also aided by something which none of the other prophets were aided with. And this is a community. And we talk about the community of the Prophet We have to be very careful of a message now that tends to defame and lower this community where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he made izzah for the mu'mineen with the Qur'an and izzah for the mu'mineen and he raised the believers with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised them with iman yarfa'illahu ladhina amanu minkum walladhina utu l'ilma darajat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he raised the people of belief and knowledge in stations and levels to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being close to the Prophet is a rahmah and is a sign of sharaf. And that's why in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the believers, usually he uses ala. And ala is a prepositional phrase which means up, above, ulu. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, ladina. Allah says, Ula'ika ala hudam rabbihim wa ula'ika muflihun. Allah talks about the believers and he says they are those on, upon guidance. And those who have been, who are successful. Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala in Madad al-Sadiqin, he said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the believers, he uses this prepositional phrase, ala, upon, to signify that not only tamakkunu sifa, not, not only have they mastered this quality that's being talked about, guidance, but also there's a figurative meaning, an expression that shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised them. Thus he said, ala. They are on guidance, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when he talks about those who are astray, or those who have disbelieved in Allah, he uses fi, fi dolarim mubin. 
And fee means to be inside and low. So Imam Ibn Qayyim says, for those who have rejected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the feeling of the verse is that their station is low. And for those who believed in Allah, he uses the preposition which signifies that they've been raised in order to, come, to point to the people that they have a high station with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to be careful when we talk to the Muslim community now that we don't destroy them, that we create in their hearts, yes, that they give up on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi And this is for a number of reasons. Number one is the application of verses and ayat that are talking about the kuffar and not the believers in the hereafter. And many times what happens is people read verses which are talking about those who die in a state of disbelief and apply those to those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْأَحْكَامُ تَجْرِي بِأَسْبَابِهَا And this is not applicable because you're talking about someone who died in a state of kufr. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَا تُزِقُلُبَنَا بَعْدِ تَدَيْتَنَا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing those who died as disbelievers in Him. And now the verse is being applied to the Muslim community. And this is incorrect. The threat which is given to the Muslims in the Qur'an about deviance and leaving the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not as severe as the threat of those who die as disbelievers. And this misapplication of ayat and hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to the community of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is a problem. And we take this lesson that we should be careful and not lower the believers to the point that they give up hope from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Imam Tirmidhi radiallahu anhu, he relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to his companions, لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ مَا أَعْلَمُ if you knew what I know, you will laugh little and you will cry much. This is part of the hadith. And the rest of the hadith says as from Hudayfa that they begin to cry, the sahaba, in a way that they had never grieved before. And many of our khutaba, many of our khatibs, and many of our du'at, they use this hadith to terrify the Muslim community. And at times we need to be terrified, wallahi. But we have a rule in hadith that Imam Abu, uh, Abu Amr ibn Salah radiallahu anhu mentions this muqaddimah, and Ibn Hajar mentions in the nukhbah, that you are not allowed to mention a hadith, part of a hadith, if it's completed by another part of the hadith which is not mentioned in that narration. Meaning that you have to look for that complete narration before you quote the hadith. Because you might give people the wrong meaning, the wrong intention of the hadith. So here we find the other narration of this hadith which also has a strong chain. That after the Prophet ﷺ left them and they were crying, Jibreel, Gibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ. And this is not mentioned in the narration of Imam Tirmidhi. And that's why we have to differentiate between ulama and fuqaha and ad-da'iyah wal-wa'id. As Sheikh Ali Juma taught us, the difference between the scholar and the one who simply is a speaker. But the speaker has to be careful when they teach the people that they don't give them the wrong understanding of the sunnah, in the name of the sunnah. So this narration is completed by another narration, that after the Prophet ﷺ warned them and left them crying, Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, go back to them, do not leave them in this state. Do not leave the believers in this state of sadness. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went back to them, بشروهم, بشروهم, and gave them good news, and he lifted their spirits. And we find this in the Quran. Never do you find tarheeb except with tarheeb. And never will you find tarheeb except with tarheeb. You'll never find in the Quran being warned except after. You'll find good news. But you'll never find mention, mention the paradise mentioned or some 
good promise for the believers in the hereafter, except it's followed by a warning, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described this ummah, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَى لِتَكُونُوا شُهَادَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ Allah described this as a balanced community. A balanced community. Between hope, as Imam Ibn Qayyim said, and fear. He said, That hope and fear are like two wings of a bird. If one is gone, the bird cannot fly. So these are the two wings of the believer. So the Prophet ﷺ, we have to be careful, especially with our young people, that we don't destroy them in the name of piety. And people in our community who are struggling in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we warn them. Yes, we can advise them. Yes, we can teach them with adab and khuluq. But also we should give them the ultimate hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a number of hadith, he mentioned how amazing and awesome it is to be from the later community of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what he means by the later community is those who did not meet him physically. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From that time until the end of time, this is considered the later ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we, found in the hadith, we find in the hadith related by Imam Malik, rahimahullah, which I read, it ila Imam Malik, rahimahullah, ila Rasulillah, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to his companions one day in the graveyard, وَدِدْتُ أَنْ أَرَى إِخْوَانَنَا He said, I would love to see our brothers. This hadith also is related by Imam Muslim, and his sahih, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to his companions, I would love to see our brothers and our sisters. Yeah. So the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, we talked about this last night. You don't get it in the translation. The translation has been Shakespeareized. But their reaction actually is very emotional. And as the explainer of Al-Muwatta, uh, I believe Abu Bakr ibn Arabi al-Maliki rahimahullah, in his Masadiq, he said that, the, actually Al-Baji, he said that the Prophet ﷺ, his companions reacted in jealousy. That their reaction is a jealous reaction. And here, la hasada illa fitnatain. It doesn't mean jealousy, which is the bad jealousy. It means, who are those lucky enough to be called the brothers of the Prophet? So it's like if you said to one of your children, you know, you're my favorite child. And the other child said, oh, wait a minute. So the same thing now happens with the Prophet ﷺ when he says to his ashab, he says, I wish I can see our brothers. And their response is, alasna. Are we not your brothers? And this is the feeling in Arabic. We are not your brothers. Who are we then? Who are your brothers? We want to be your brothers. And the Prophet says, But antum ashabi, you're my homeboys. You're my companions. Our brothers are those who will come after us. He's talking about you. And Imam Ibn Majah rahimahullah ta'ala relates with a good isnad that the Prophet he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, my paradise for the one who believes in me and saw me. Then he said, Well, Tuba, 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 three times, paradise, 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 but Amalabi, for the one who believed in me and didn't see me. And this is called Tawqid Lafdi in Arabic, which means you keep saying the word over and over again to show its truthfulness. So, for example, when your children get upset with you, say, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, this is Tawqid Lafdi in English, the same feeling. So the Prophet said, Six times, paradise, for the one who believed in me and didn't see me. And then 12 times, he said it, paradise means, I promise paradise is the meaning. 
for the one who believed in me and didn't see me. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And another hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu asked by his companions when he told them, as related by Ibn Abdul Barr rahimahullah, and his istiqar that the Prophet Sallallahu said, that there will come a people after you, that their deeds are equal to more, one, more than one man from amongst you. The Sahaba were shocked. And they said, more than those? More than one from amongst us? And he said, yes. And he said, because of the fitan that they will encounter. And we have this axiom in Islamic uh, thought that says, when the fitan is high and the, 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 the trials and tribulations to worship Allah are there, then the reward for worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also greater. And that's why we have al-jazamin, jins, al-amal, that the reward is based on the foundation or understanding of the action, the reality of the situation that someone is facing it. So we can see, subhanAllah, how we should be honored, وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ How we should have and feel honored and a great responsibility. Because responsibility, honor doesn't come, sharaf doesn't come except with mas'uliyyah, except with responsibility. But that we should feel honored to be close to the Prophet And we should feel a profound love and connection with him and the promises he gave to this community. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We beseech him to send his peace and blessings upon the Prophet On the night of power, when the night on the night which the Quran was sent, the night of honor, which most of the say here, Al-Qadr means Sharaf, that the Prophet was honored and the world was honored by a number of things. Number one is that the Quran was sent. And this is enough as, a, as an honor for anyone to even see or look at the Quran. And that's why the Prophet said, خَيْرُكُمْ أَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَ In a sound hadith from Uthman ibn Affan, led by Bukhari Muslim, the Prophet said, the best of you are those who learn and teach the Quran. And the Prophet said in a sound hadith, أَهْلُ قُرْآنَ أَهْلُ اللَّهِ وَخَاصَةً That the people of the Quran are the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his chosen people. Secondly, the honor is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Al-Mustafa alayhi aftaru salatu wa salam. Tislim wa akhtaruhu sallallahu alayhi wa salam liyakun nabiyyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the Prophet and made him Khatim al-Anbiya'i and made him the Siraj of this da'wah on the face of the earth until the end of time. But thirdly, what people don't talk about is the community of the Prophet that also by, by necessity after the Qur'an and prophethood comes the community of the Prophet. And this community was praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an in many different places. And when we talk about the concept of community, we want to look at some of the uh, mechanisms employed by the Prophet, peace be upon him, in establishing his community. Number one is that faith and behavior are the foundations of the community. And fiqh, if we can call it fiqh after the time of the Prophet are secondary matters. First and foremost are the issues of aqidah and the issues of akhlaq the issues of character, and the issues of faith. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he linked belief with character in more than one place. And Al-Haythami, Al-Ibn Hajar Al-Haythami, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he wrote a book about this, a number of hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said this important phrase, Man kana yu'minu billah wal yawmi al 
whoever believes in Allah in the last day, and this is shot, and after that comes dua to shot. Then let them do this. Then let them do this. Then let them do this. We find the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu on behalf of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he said, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawm al-akhir falyakul khairan awal asmut. Wa man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawm al-akhir falyukrim jara. Wa man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawm al-akhir falyukrim daifa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That he said, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Whoever believes in Allah in the last day, then let them speak well or remain silent. And whoever believes in Allah in the last day, then let them be generous to their guest. And whoever believes in Allah in the last day, then let them be generous to their neighbor. Imam Ibn Rajab rahimahullah al-Hafif, in his famous explanation of this hadith, he said, notice how the Prophet links character with faith, and faith with character, the foundations of his community. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَّا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't associate partners with Allah. The greatest sin, shirk. And after that he says, and exercise, yani hina, mustar, and be excellent to your parents, to your parents. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, as related by Sidi Malik in his muatta, let the Prophet sallallahu say, I was only sent to complete the good etiquette, the good morality. So the foundation of his community is faith. When I'm talking about faith, I'm not talking about reading books of qawa'id of the aqidah, where we memorize, you know, these mutun, and this becomes the aqidah. I'm talking about a faith that transforms people. And what we're seeing, the thamara of teaching faith in this way, is we become a community of people who like hiwarat. We like to make jidal. We like to argue. This person is wrong. This person is right. The Prophet ﷺ said 72 sects, 73 sects once. SubhanAllah. I was in a masjid and a brother, he was a new Muslim. And he came to me and he asked some far out question. He just became Muslim. And there was another brother next to me, also a convert. He pulled out his book and he looked at his book and he told me, 81. I told him, what do you mean by 81? He said, this is number 81 out of the 73. After 73, he's 81. I said, SubhanAllah, you have like a notebook of how many different sects? He said, no, I have about 150. I told him, SubhanAllah, who, who, who taught you to do this? He said, no, I just made it up myself. As Imam Ibn Taymiyyah said, it's not allowed to declare who are from these sects and to apply them numbers. And as Shatabi said, the greatest fitna are not those who were considered to be from the deviant sects, but the greatest fitna was always from the one who thought he was on the truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us humble with the haqq. So the Prophet sallallahu as the ulama of al-Azhar, they taught us, in Mantaqat al-Azhar, al-Fark bayna al-Dars al-Aqidah wa Gharas al-Aqidah. There's a difference between studying Aqidah and cultivating the Aqidah in your heart. What we find amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam is that their Aqidah was founded on kulliyat al-Muqaddasah, that their Aqidah was definitely founded on certain principles which don't change or are fixed, like the unity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but after this, their belief in creed transformed them and caused them to transform others around them. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, You are the best community brought forth to people. So a foundation in creed, which is founded in ethics and founded in discipline and founded in transformation. How many of us memorized mutun and we didn't change it all? We're still harsh to our wives, harsh to our children, harsh upon the Muslims harsh upon everyone else. 
We look at everyone as though they're astray. Khalas, no one's on the minhaj, and that's it. And don't even talk about the non We can't even have them in the masajid. Ya Mawlana, antafeen. Antafil al-baba Where are you, brother? But the Prophet ﷺ teaches a creed which transforms the companions and prepares them, not incubates them, to deal with society. And unfortunately now we study creed in a way which causes us, especially in this country, where we have a great opportunity for people like me to become Muslim. Imagine the person who told me about Islam. When he saw me, he said, ah, this kafir, and I don't want to talk to him, he doesn't know anything. He said, wallahi, I watched you for five years and I made dua for you before I talked to you. And then subhanAllah, you became Muslim. And the ulama, Imam Ibn Hajar Haythami said, that it's conditioned for the Muslim to live in the lands of the non-Muslims that they have to be engaged in showing them the good image of Islam or they should go. So a very profound fatwa. So here, you have to talk about an aqidah that empowers. And that's why Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, when he was asked, who is better, the one who mixes with the people or who doesn't mix with the people? He said, as for those who mix with the people and put up with their hardships and difficulties, he said, these are those who Allah has tested them with taqwa. Secondly, the Prophet sallallahu he does not burden his community beyond what it can handle. He has a strategy. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, he said in a sound hadith, order the people to do what they can handle. And Sayyidatuna Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that the Prophet وسلم, as read by Imam al-Bukhari, said that the Prophet وسلم, ordered us to do what we could do and became angry at him. He ordered us to do what we could do and we became angry at him. When I read Al-Bukhari with one of my teachers, the Sahih Jami, I asked him, what does it mean, this hadith? Like when my mother orders me to clean my room, I get upset with her. I can do it. He said, no, Ya Mawlana. He said, the hadith means they wanted to do more. And the Prophet ﷺ is holding them back, keeping them balanced, keeping them focused, not letting them become too difficult upon themselves so that the deen will become a burden for them. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, as well as Imam Muslim in his authentic collection in Deen Yusuf, that the deen is ease. And nobody will make the religion hard on himself, إِلَّا except he'll be defeated. Then he said, So seek this middle way. Seek this middle way. Don't be like this. Be like this. And that's why the scholars of Usul al Fiqh, Imam al Baydawi, his Minhaj, he mentions this axiom that we have in Islamic law that there's no burdening people except what they can do from the point of actions. And we have this axiom that you're not allowed to burden people with what they cannot do. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not ask people to do, does not burden them from the point of ahkam with what they can handle. So as a community, when we see people struggling in their faith, we see new Muslims, we see people who have come back to Islam, we see brothers who have trouble paying the bills, people that have marriage problems. We have to be smart in how we interact with them, that we do not burden them with more than what they can handle. And expect from them what they cannot perform. Because this goes against the sunnah of the Prophet The third principle, and we'll stop insha'Allah, is that the Prophet did not engage in theoretical nonsense. The Prophet was concerned in the real deal. What mattered in the hood, as we like to say. What really matters. 
But now what we find, the students of knowledge, those who study or those who read a few books or those who yatalamad ala Google, we find that what comes out of this study is jidal, arguments. This sheikh is wrong, the sheikh is wrong, the sheikh is from this group. Now we have more flavors than Baskin Robbins because of this understanding of Islam. Whereas from the madrasa of the Prophet we don't find this. We find people who are able to differ in a very cultured, mature fashion, so that you have Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu differ on issues, but their hearts stay the same. And in fact, we find one time Umar, he asked some of the students of Ali, ma aftabi, what, what was his opinion? So they said, he gave this fatwa, this opinion. Umar said to them, wallahi, if I was asked this question, I will not give this opinion, but no problem. Now, subhanAllah, what happens with us? When a Shafi'i went to Iraq and prayed behind the students of Imam Abu Hanif, prayed in front of the students of Imam Abu Hanif, after visiting the grave of Abu Hanif, rahimahullah. What? what? The, the students of Abu Hanif were concerned. Is he going to pray Qunut in Fajr? Which the Shafi'is do. When he didn't pray Qunut, they asked him, why? Why didn't you pray the Qunut? As the Malikis, we pray Qunut. A Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, told them, out of respect for the person in that grave, Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala. Once someone came to Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, and told him, I wrote a book on the differences of the ummah. He said, don't call it a book of differences. Call it a book of what? Of considerations. A book of considerations. Look at the adab of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah. A shafi said, I would love to hear the truth come from the tongue of my opponent than I, than, more than I would love to hear it from myself. The spirit of maturity that allows differences to fluctuate in dynamics in the community and doesn't seek to process knowledge like a happy meal at McDonald's with a toy for our kids, but respects this, this great, great history of Islam. We find the aqid of Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, the tasawwuf of Al-Ghazali, the literalism of, of Ibn Hazm, rahimahullah ta'ala, the hadith scholarship of Malik, rahimahullah, the opinion of Abi Hanif al-Ra'i. We find this dynamic in our ummah which powers us to deal with all kinds of situations around us. So the Prophet ﷺ is not concerned with theoretics, as we are now. As I mentioned yesterday, the brother told me, I don't need a creed that's going to teach me all this nuanced stuff, man. I need a creed that's going to protect me from Beyonce, man. I need a practical creed. I need something that's going to, that's going to cause me to act because of my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. rahimahullah. He notes this important, important principle about the community of the Prophet in the hadith of Jibreel. When Jibreel asked the Prophet tell me, when will the day of judgment be? The Prophet doesn't answer him. He says, the one who's being asked knows no more than the one who's asking. But when he asked him about amaratiha, the signs of the day of judgment, the Prophet he explains in great detail about the signs of the Day of Judgment. To the point that people like Imam Ibn Kathir have entire chapters in their book on the signs of the Day of Judgment. Why, Ashatabi says, because the knowledge of the hour is unknown. لا يعلمها إلا الله. So engaging in this discussion doesn't lead to practice, doesn't lead to something practical. But the signs of the Day of Judgment, when people see them around them, cause people's hearts to come alive and lead them to action and practice, which is what Sharia wants from them, to be good people. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, when the men came to me, he 
said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Mata Sa'ah, as related by Al-Bukhari and his Sahih Jami'ah. He said to him, when is the day of judgment? The Prophet didn't get into some theoretical debate and tell him you're off the minhaj, enter the mubtadi'een, musharafi. He said to him, Sallallahu what did you prepare for? What actions have you prepared for the sa'a? Be practical. The final point is that the community is open to everyone. And we have to be careful, those of us, Ahlul Masjid, that we don't turn this into our own little fortress. Where those Muslims who come, who are struggling in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't feel welcome. If a Muslim doesn't feel welcome in the masjid, where will they feel welcome? Where are they going to come and reignite their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And we take this from the hadith of Al-Bukhari, when the drunk man, as the sahabi who was drunk, as related by Bukhari and his sahih, the first place he went was to the masjid of the Prophet. Now our young people, if they have trouble, if they have problems, or people in our community who struggle, the last place they come into the masjid, and the last person they're going to speak to are Ahlul Masjid. Subhanallah. But they will easily speak to Sheikh Dr. Phil or Sheikh Oprah, but they will not come to the masjid. And we think because we're Ahlul Masjid, MashaAllah, because we're on the truth, they will not come to us because they're Fusaqa. This is not the way of Islam. This man, he comes to the masjid of the Prophet, and he's drunk, as related by Al Bukhari. Not only does he come to the masjid, but the person he asked to speak to is the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aina Muhammad. Where is Muhammad? Then he tells him, Ya Rasulullah, I got lit up a little bit. I got a little issue. He helped me out. And he's punished. The companions started to hit them with their shoes. Then the Prophet told them, Do not help shaitan on your brother. They started to curse him. So don't curse him. The other narration of this hadith, which is not found in Bukhari's collection, continues and says that after the ta'zir was made upon him, he didn't leave the masjid. Afterwards, he sat next to the Prophet. That's how comfortable he felt with his community. That's how comfortable he felt with his community. And he started to tell him, you know, I got drunk and I messed up. And it was like, no, my bad. And the Prophet was like, inshallah, inshallah, you'll do better, you'll do better. Your relationship with Allah will increase. How now are we going to treat the person who's struggling with their faith and their deen? This time, we have to be open to them. We have to be warners to say the truth. We have to say it in a way that inculcates faith in the heart and not destroys them. Let's ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us a community on the way of the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yajma'ana ma habibina kama amana bihi wa lam narahu alayhi aftaru. Salatu wa salam wa taslim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad fil awwaleen. Wa salli lahum ala Sayyidina Muhammad fil akhirin. Wa salli lahum ala Sayyidina Rasulullah fil malila alayhi ya rabbal alameen. لأسك الله سبحانه وتعالى تزق قلوبنا بعد ثديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى يصلح شبابنا وشباتنا يثبتهم على الحق ويحفظهم من الضلال أسك الله سبحانه وتعالى to bless those who become Muslim أسك الله to give their parents and their friends and their family guidance to Islam أسك الله سبحانه وتعالى to bless this country and to make us سببا for the خير in this place Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our brothers and sisters, Muslim brothers and sisters who are being oppressed all over the globe. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bedil fara'ina biman yakun ahsan minhu. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bedilna min fi jannatihi bi ghali hisab. Wa salli lakum ala sayyidina rasulillah wa rahmatillah wa alayhi wa sallam.